On this episode of Thinking Inside the Box, we go off-road through waterfalls, deserts, and volcanoes in test drive off-road wide open. Hello, everybody. I'm Excalibur. And I'm your co-host, Soft Mike. What's the game today, sir? Our game that we are reviewing is Test Drive Off-Road Wide Open. A great title. Uh, Another one of these off-road racing games. One of many racing games that we usually see in the launch titles of any console. Uh, It's a well-known series as well. Yeah. Yeah, Test Drive has been around for quite a while at this point, and I think we'll enjoy as we get into it a little bit deeper with there being three titles alone on this this console. All right, so digging in, Test Drive Off-Road Wide Open was developed by Angel Studios, published by Infogrames. Features are single-player, multiplayer, 480p resolution, Dolby Digital 5.1 surround sound, which is actually pretty good. It is rated E for mild lyrics. And its genre is Driving Racing Rally Off-Road, released on November 14th, 2001, for the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox. The overview is, in Test Drive Off-Road Wide Open, off-road racing takes a detour through nature's badlands. The wilderness is your playground for 13 licensed trucks such as Hummer, Dodge T-Rex, Ford Bronco, and more. Avoid rock slides, waterfalls, and volcanoes as you tear up three countrysides, each featuring over 10 races and events. Speed through checkpoints in three gameplay modes, Circuit, A to B, and Blitz, against tough competition on rough terrain. The road to off-road supremacy goes through towering jumps, high-speed trucks, and shortcuts. What you got? All right. So my description of the game is, this is the successor to Test Drive Off-Road 3. In this game, the player controls one of 13 American 4x4s through Hawaii, Moab, and Yosemite to be crowned king of the off-road. The player can race in a single arcade race, take a complete free ride, or race in career mode. There are three kinds of racing to master, circuit, blitz, and scramble. Circuit races are exactly as they sound. Player howls around a course through checkpoints before time runs out at least twice. Blitz races are considerably shorter than circuit races. The strategy for racing itself is not much different, except the race is in a linear fashion of point A to B. And in scramble races, the player roars around in an area, collecting checkpoints in a random location as fast as possible. These are the shortest races in the game. The game can be played by two players. That's what I have. Okay, very well. Let's get started with our developer and publisher. All right, so our publisher is Infogrames Entertainment, which is rebranded currently to Atari. Infogrames Entertainment started out in June 1983 in France by Bruno Bonnell and Christophe Sapet. They became the major French developer and many acquisitions, first in Europe and later all over the world, created various subsidiary companies. In 1993, Infogrames made the stock exchange of Paris with great success. In 1999, Infogrames required a controlling stake in major American publisher GT Interactive, and it was renamed to Infogrames Incorporated. The U.S. branch fully acquired Hasbro, another major player, in January 2001, becoming Infogrames Interactive Incorporated. So, leading up to the game, that is our history of Infogrames. We do have some info about Atari becoming their, uh, basically, that's the subsidiary that 
develop the game back then. Okay. Uh, which they are wholly owned by Infogrames Entertainment. And it encompasses all North American operations, and it was headquartered in New York City. They have about 150 employees across the U.S., and they're one of the largest third-party publishers of interactive entertainment software in the U.S. They develop, publish, and distribute games for all available platforms. And Infogrames is a major shareholder of Atari, which was announced actually at the end of 2008. They were able to fully reacquire the company and bring a closure to a period of financial underperformance, making the Atari group whole again. So now that's how they got to be. And this company is known for games such as Odd World, which we played before. Yes. We have Roller Coaster Tycoon, the whole series of that, the Test Drive, Witcher. They all had a lot of games they've been involved in. So uh, that's pretty much all I have as far as the publisher goes. Let's go ahead and switch over to our developer. All right. Uh, our developer is Angel Studios, now known as Rockstar San Diego. They started in 1984 and were founded by Diego Angel, who had an aspiration to be a film director. He moved to San Diego around this time to create his own studio and start filming and doing things in the media industry. They started out with getting work, making info videos and uh, educational videos, doing other projects, leading up to even doing productions for NASA and animation, doing logos for Home Box Office and ESPN. Later on, they continued their work, adding MTV. They started dabbling in 3D work and animation for music videos and films. They even got the award for Best Special Effects in 1994 at the MTV Video Music Awards. Prior to that, they had actually just started to get into video games. In 1993, they got the chance to work on Echo the Dolphin, The Tides of Time, doing the cutscenes. The studio that they worked with was so happy with their work, they invited them to do the next game, Mr. Bones, for the Sega Saturn. They moved on from there to work on a couple of sports games for Nintendo 64, as that was an upcoming console at the time. Shifting the focus toward gaming and animation more than most of the other media that they had been doing actually ended up saving the company from the dot-com bubble that had actually devastated the San Diego area at that time. They continued their work and were eventually given the ability to port Resident Evil 2 over to the Nintendo 64. So they became a pretty prolific um, developer that worked pretty much on the Nintendo 64 during its life cycle, which was a notoriously difficult system to develop for and work with just because of the hardware limitations and how it was designed. So they definitely weren't afraid of a challenge and didn't seem to back down and definitely have a long history of performing well or even outperforming expectations from what it seems like. And uh, from the looks of it, where they were able to dabble in almost any type of media and got all these different various contracts, and they, they range from filming you know, short videos, animating logos for high-level companies, and making console games, porting console games, that they started to form a relationship with Rockstar. And over time, around 2002, were acquired by Rockstar Studios and still do games to this day under them as Rockstar San Diego, working on titles such as Grand Theft Auto V, 
Midnight Club, Midtown Madness, and most recently, Red Dead Redemption 2. So it's a great developer and have proven themselves over time to take on tasks and overcome their challenges. So yeah, Angel Studios is a proven studio that definitely stood the test of time, made smart business decisions, and kept themselves alive by growing strong relationships, never backing down from a challenge, and always accepting challenges and facing them head on, it looks like. Making a name for themselves and doing the job and well. We got anything else? I think that covers it, my good sir. Okay. Sounds like it's time to get into the game. All right. Starting Time for our first segment. Say it again. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for our first segment. Yeah. It's time for the X-Ray, where we dive into the main features in-depth gameplay. All right, to start off with X-Ray, getting into the game, you see the normal stuff, the company logos pop up on the screen. Uh, What's interesting about this game's startup is they show the licensed music prior to the select screen or the start screen, which is kind of cool, you know, highlighting that they have some pretty cool artists that they worked with and actually chose tasteful songs from them. Oh, yeah. Including one that's kind of an underground favorite of mine that was really underground at the time, a Cell Dweller, which I was excited to find out was in this game. So jumping in, you choose your save and uh, get right into the menu. You have your typical options, single race, career race, stadium race, multiplayer, free roam, scores, and options. Starting off with single race, you have the option of easy, hard, or normal difficulty. You enter your name for your save profile, and then you go to the track select screen. You have all three regions available to you off the start. Yes, but you only have nine races, or three for each area, unlocked right off the get-go. Yep, you must first win first place, in the first three races in each one of the zones to unlock the next set. And in total, there will be 27 races, nine in each one of the three. For a career race, if you win first place in every one of the five seasons, all 35 races, you will unlock almost all the vehicles. One of the interesting things about career race is a small step toward realism that they took was the fact that you actually have an entry fee to race in any of the series of any season as well as if you would like to retry a race if you don't think you're going to win or maybe you get stuck and you just want to start over you do have a certain amount of retries available to you in that entire series that you can use up and then won't be able to retry unless you start the entire series over but on top of that each retry does cost you a certain amount of money you're basically repaying the entry fee to retry the race. In single race, you must win every single race, all 27, first place on hard mode to unlock the ultimate unlockable vehicle. And then in free roam, you have the ability to unlock another special vehicle and another special level. But we'll get into that later. Let's talk about the gameplay. All right. What do we want to get into first? Well... Uh, the vehicles. Yeah, yeah, let's not dig into the gameplay yet. Let's talk about the vehicles, because vehicles select before you race. Alright, so, selecting any race, you have all the vehicles except for the unlockable ones available at your disposal. Depending on how far you've gotten into the game, starting with stock, modified, pro, and unlimited class. There's the last unlockable, which is pretty extreme. 
pushes the the game's engine pretty far, I would say, with just how fast these vehicles can go in the unlimited class. Plus, they also get more and more extreme and and just decked out and upgraded as the classes progress. Mm-hmm. You also have two different categories of vehicle. You have the power and the speed category. My personal favorite of any of the vehicles, at least from the get go, was the F one fifty. What about you? Um, I started out using the Bronco. It's because it's the cheapest of the two, and that's a power class vehicle. It's not bad. It's it was kind of it was fun to play around with, and uh, I I ended up figuring out like right off the bat that it's kind of hard playing with that vehicle in particular, uh, especially the later game, mid later game. It get, becomes outclassed very quickly, so you got to kind of adapt your style. I ended up favoring in late game the Dodge Ram because uh, it just had superior handling, especially in courses where there was rain involved. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the physics engine just made you slide everywhere. Yes. I didn't get a chance to really use much of the uh, special vehicles like that we can unlock. But to me, I knew that that was probably the best one we had available. Okay. Okay. So going through the game, you can, in career mode at least, definitely compete for quite a while on the stock F-150 from my experience. I went went off the stat base with there being a graph chart at the bottom showing you the four different categories that each vehicle is judged on and given a certain allotment of each category, which starting off from the top to the bottom would be climbing, top speed, acceleration and handling Mm -hmm. i usually like to when i approach a racing game that gives stats like this make up for inability to do most things with speed and handling if i have handling and speed on my side i would say nine times out of ten i can let acceleration go to the wind basically because i'll probably take risks through corners that the ai won't and there's a slight chance that I can succeed and outperform the AI, at least in my gambling kind of attitude or approach, that I'll be able to get past them with something that they don't have or with without something that they have. So I usually go for handling and top speed. What do, how do you like to approach a racing game that gives like arcadey stats to cars? Your driving style, I guess. I'm more, yeah, I, I prefer handling and sort of, you know, a decent amount of acceleration when it comes to vehicles that I would go for. Because the faster you can you can go from a stop to full speed, typically the better of a vehicle it is. Top speed only means, you know, so much if you can get to top speed, in my opinion. But it also comes along with playing the game. There's no one game that plays the same. This game, it takes a lot of tinkering. You can't use just one vehicle. No. So, uh, to me, that's the way to go. I I use the F-150 in career race, at least. I would say up to about season four, and that's when I started to have to experiment a little bit. I did get frustrated with the truck. There were times in certain races that it just couldn't go. Plus, there were also special events in the career race mode that required you to have either a power or a speed vehicle only to join in on that event. So I did have to change 
like per the game's orders and also have to change my vehicle based off of just what it could and couldn't do to hang with the AI as it progressively got harder and harder to outmaneuver or race with. Did you notice the same thing? You primarily played single race mode. You didn't really play the career. Yeah, I was really involved in the single race mode. And off the bat, you started in hard mode, so you had no break-in period to the AI like you do in career race. I think that, I, uh, I honestly believe that in career race, the AI starts at, like, easy, and progressively as you get through the seasons, becomes normal and then hard. So, uh, yeah, you you had no break-in period. You were just straight thrown to the lions. Yeah, it was. It, it, it's difficult. I'll admit it's not easy at all, but we get through it. <laughs> I gotcha. All right, so vehicle selection. You have a variety of Hummers as the SUV for your typical off-road vehicle. You have a couple variants of the Jeep, one much older, a CJ, and then you have the Wrangler variant. Continuing, you have the Chevy Blazer, the Dodge Durango, and the Ford Bronco, uh, the very old 60s variant. And then lastly, you have a Mercedes ML430, which I think is only unlocked from the start for the NTSC versions. It is actually locked for the PAL versions of this game, correct? Yes. Um, does that count for the NTSC J, or is it NTSC? I don't think it does. I think it's only for the European. Okay, so only um... the PAL release didn't come with the ML430 unlocked automatically. Yes. Okay, okay, which is odd to note. Then you also have a variety of pickup trucks, ranging from the Chevy Avalanche to the Chevy Silverado, then the Dodge Ram 2500, and the F-150. That is your vehicle select from the start with nothing unlocked, except for if you have the NTSC or NTSC-J version of this game, then off the bat you have the ML430 unlocked. Sorry, pal people. I guess they aren't our pals. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, as soon as you've selected your vehicle, you have a color palette of options, which the color palette of this game to begin with is just awful. So you're not really going to notice your color that you choose. Next, you have the option of choosing an automatic or a manual transmission, which I just drove automatic. This is an arcade game. I didn't really feel like doing anything other than that or making it more difficult. Did you use the manual transmission at all, Soft Mike? No, uh, I think we only used the manual when we were testing around in the uh, secret level. Okay, so yeah. Oh, actually, you know, I did play with the manual transmission. You're right. On the secret level, I tried it out. Oh, I, I, I don't remember you saying anything bad about it. Can't be 100% certain about it. But yeah, it didn't seem like it was bad, I guess. Uh, I don't think it had uh, bad manual controls. So yeah, I think they did probably a generally good job with that. All right, so getting into the game, you want to take it away with the levels? All right, so for our levels, we have, starting with Moab, Utah, one of the true off-road meccas in the United States. Behind its tranquil desert beauty lies a grueling terrain of rock, sand, and mud. Thousands of four-wheeling fanatics flock to this area each year to enjoy some of the most exhilarating off-road challenges moab has to offer the rolling desert hills sand dunes and towering rock formations of the utah desert will test the limits of your off-road driving skills yosemite national park born of the mighty glaciers at the end of the last ice age yosemite 
is an unspoiled wilderness full of obstacles and hazards to thwart the unwary off-roader. Spectacular mountain peaks frame this wilderness of picturesque valleys, containing a maze of rivers and channels which you must navigate in the battle to be a true off-road warrior. Man's presence can be found in this primeval forest in the form of trains, forest fires, and the tracks made as you speed through Yosemite. Hawaii, the Big Island, legend, holds that the violent volcanic explosions that rock the Big Island are from the volcano goddess Palil, showing her anger. It is this same volcanic anger that makes the Big Island perfect for every type of off-roading adventure imaginable. The terrain offers so many choices that serious off-roaders must make a decision as to whether to conquer the lava-covered lands of the Big Island, head inland to the lush rainforest, or race out along the beach. Only the most brave and fearless 4x4 drivers will survive the island of palm trees, tikis, and waterfalls. And Very that's nice. all we have on the environments. Alrighty. Did you cover the various weather? Which, I mean, as in various weather, I mean rain. <laughs> <laughs> There's no day or night cycle. It's either rain or no rain. That's really it. Yeah, pretty much. There are a few courses as you race that are rainy and overcast. The physics engine really takes a turn at this point, causing your vehicle to slide wildly and sometimes uncontrollably all over the course. It is quite a rush, especially when the AI is gunning for victory. They are not easy to defeat in the later stages, so white-knuckling your controller is a necessity. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially in some of these longer circuit races where you have a bunch of tight turns, a bunch of jumps, and obstacles as you race through, including different, uh, I would say, biome types. One that's very diverse, I can note, would be in um, Yosemite, where the circuit race is large enough that you get to experience the woodlands, you get to experience the snowy area, and you also get to experience a wildfire area, where you've got to dodge a fire truck, um, I think you also have to dodge a train, and depending on where you're at, there's scripted events that happen on the last lap of races or near the finish line of A to B races, where you could face rocks tumbling down a mountainside in front of you, logs rolling down a mountainside in front of you, and even giant tiki totem poles rolling down the mountain against you as you're trying to drive up a, uh, a part of the course. They seem to always happen on the last lap to be like a last little trigger to maybe even the playing field or give you a chance to catch up or maybe present a challenge for you to overcome at the end of the race. Just a little something extra. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I, I, yeah, I didn't I did. notice the exact same thing in 4x4 Evo. Uh, yeah, there was actually a lot. It looked like a lot of the same props were used, actually, uh, especially like the bulldozer. I remember the bulldozer was like yeah an exact it copy. It was it was just like it. Yeah, you you had you had a train that did not get in the way as much as that one did in four x four Evo two, but nonetheless you did have a train, and that presented quite a challenge. I remember there was one road course in Yosemite where the train tracks uh, went right over where you were racing down and. The, the train in, in this particular race was always going down the track 
right at about exactly where you cut across the train tracks to continue the course. And if you miss, you have to wait for the entire train to pass before you can actually keep going. And it definitely made my heart pound when I was gunning down the side, trying to get past that train and turn to not lose any time. And you have quite a few very large jumps, which once again, with the physics engine of this game being as it is, it is easy to mess up. I think the vehicles might have had a little bit too much mass because it seemed like coming off of a jump, the suspension was not able to handle some jumps if you landed a certain way and the vehicle would just perform extremely erratic for a, a short second or in some instance, slow you down to nearly a crawl for an instant. It was very irritating to be not far ahead, but far enough ahead to feel good about where you're at in the race. And, you know, one jump, you land just the wrong way, and your vehicle is slowed down so much that it gives the AI a chance to catch up. Oh, which, yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you mean. And uh, speaking of the AI... You want to tell us the best thing about the AI? Well, the best thing about the AI, what, that they don't have rubber banding? Yes, no rubber <laughs> banding. The AI basically has no scripted, unfair advantage at any point in time that is predictable or during any race, at least. Um, you can get a substantial lead on any of the AI or the whole field uh, to the point to where you could even lap last place. If you're fast enough, which is a really nice breath of fresh air. I think that's something that we've had to deal with with every racing game so far that we've reviewed. And uh, it's it's nice to break away from rubber banding. It really, really is nice, especially on a, an arcade type game. Uh, you know, th- th- this game is, is meant to be a stimulation game. It's, it's touted to be a stimulation game, but... In my experience playing it, uh, it could not be much further from simulation than it is. It really is a much more arcadey racer uh, than anything else. I mean, granted, an off-road one at that, but with just the the structure of the game being checkpoint-based and the vehicles handling like they do, I just I gotta say it's very arcade. It is not a simulation game. The AI also, apart from not having rubber banding, also one good thing, one bad thing. The AI doesn't have rubber banding. The one good thing, but the other thing that's bad is the AI has like an unlimited amount of mass again. Yeah, to a degree. Like there were some vehicles that were like the moon buggy was able to like yeet it off the road. Right. But... In, in certain circumstances, you could do it, but it took some effort. You had to bash into them multiple times to really push them off course. It seemed they they definitely yeah. had a lot of mass. It was a lot like four x four Evo two. Um, not the exact same, but pretty similar. Yeah, that that is a true fact right there. What's your take, Soft yeah. Mike? I agree, you know, this game does kind of come off as it's trying to say it's the most realistic uh, racing game out there, but honestly, it's identical in a way to uh, 4x4 Evo 2. Oh yeah, uh, very. Uh, it's like the arcade nature of the game, it's not quite perfect if you were going to say it was anywhere near some type of realistic simulation especially because the game 
in the arcade game, you know, you know it's arcade or a true arcade game when you can't even remain, like, let's say you flip a vehicle, your truck will automatically roll over for you. Yes. It is, and that's something, like, if you were trying to get something accurate, you're not going to have a feature like that. You're going to have some type of reset yeah, uh, or something like that where, you know, your, your vehicle will automatically just teleport nearby and it'll be upright on its wheels something like that even though that's still arcade like there was no damage model you know things like that as those are things that are key components of a true realistic realism type game yes uh yeah yeah you make a good point there um they actually maybe remember uh you can also uh going along with it being an arcade game or arcade-esque game you can control your yaw and pitch in the air, whereas in a simulation game, obviously, or even real life, when you're jumping a car, you're you're basically at the mercy of how you jumped off of wherever you jumped. You can't control, mm-hmm. you know, the roll of your car front to back or side to side. You're just you're you, however you land is however your car decides to fall back down to the earth. You know, the, this game giving you the ability to adjust your trajectory. That's not very simulation. And then lastly, you brought up another good point where there's no damage model. There isn't. But the only damage in this game that you can actually see, and in some cars it's hard to notice, is that parts will fall off of the car. That's about Uh, it. The the spare tires or mirrors or uh, secondary or extra fog lights that come on like a, a more advanced version of your vehicle tend to fall off on certain hard impacts or collisions. And, the, I mean, there you go. That's your damage. Yep, that is 100% correct. Like, you could start off a race and run into a wall at 130 miles an hour. Yeah, both your mirrors are probably just going to pop off, and then you're good to go. <laughs> that's it. What else do we have to talk about? Um, I mean... I think it was actually a lot of fun. Yeah, there's a lot of fun to have been had. We gotta go over multiplayer, too. Um, the fact that yeah. you can co-op unlock the ultimate unlockable vehicle, which, yes. hey, like like we talked about the other day, which you just have to employ a specific strategy because the only person that it, the reward accounts for or counts toward is player one. It's still cool. You want to talk about that? Yeah, so uh, multiplayer was sort of like in a way, a hidden gem. The ability to play the game with someone and not only play it, but yes, unlock things that you could use in your profile. And not only that, but you could also have your second player use whatever vehicles you've unlocked thus far yeah. in in the game. So if you really wanted to, you could play single race mode after unlocking a set of vehicles in career mode and then use all the vehicles available in that mode to unlock the special vehicle in the single race mode just by letting your primary player beat the level which really just brings an interesting kind of perspective because there's no game that's ever kind of come out and done anything like that thus far yeah not so far that we've played on this console or at least experienced in person i I don't recall a single game having a a multiplayer mode count toward the unlockables for the single player so yeah that's that's how we unlocked the ultimate vehicle for me was uh, when we tested multiplayer we ended up playing through the entire single race mode all 27 races oh yeah 
on hard mode. And yeah, we had a blast. It was definitely a hidden gem experience. And the co-op part of it gave it that much more of a enjoyment factor, I guess you can say, because of the fact that it wasn't just there as like a, you know, if you want to play with someone else, you can, but there's really no point to it. You know, it actually gave it meaning. It gave it life. And I really enjoyed that and appreciate and appreciated that. Something I would recommend doing if you have someone that you could play with. Multiplayer was pretty fun. I agree. It was a lot of fun. So uh, give me fuel. Give me fire. Give me that which I desire. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's uh, basically this game's theme song. You know, a song that you hear in the title menu and in the gameplay demo video that plays if you're idle at the main menu really just takes on the game's theme song emulates the action and the atmosphere and the attitude of this game fuel by metallica an all-out fast-paced reckless and edgy song fits this game pretty well as far as describing it musically i would say there's a variety of tracks, mainly in the rock genre. There is, what, one or two techno songs, and they're pretty mild. Yes, yes, yes. I was just remembering uh, about how uh, repetitive the tracks could be, though. But yeah, that the game does have a short list of songs kind of get repetitive. Although, I didn't really get annoyed by it, because generally you weren't focused on the music, but the music was welcome. Yeah. Uh, the music... Definitely didn't get drowned out by the action as much as I thought it would. Uh, like most titles, you know, the music is... It's like the volume mixing of the game was... Or of most of the games that we've played so far was a little off. Where with this game, the music was actually, if you turned it up, overpowering. Oh uh, yeah, that is very true. The music, they just... They cranked the music up. The volume level... Uh, 99. Oh, yeah. It was way up there. Uh, you know, it, by default, I believe music is a little less than the actual sounds of the game. And if you crank them all the way up, then it, it definitely gets to the point to where the music can drown out everything, which is fine. I, I don't mind racing to music, but the music has to match the race, which in this game, they did a great job with that. The music does match the race. Uh, yes. We feature songs from artists such as Metallica, Fear Factory, Cell Dweller, and Eight Degrees, to name a couple. And they all kind of sound like live performances of underground rock bands, other than Metallica, obviously, because Metallica is just well, Metallica is Metallica. Yes, that is true. But the other the other bands kind of sounded like you know they were recorded live in like a small venue. And they were just going ham, which is fine. Uh, but the track list is rather short. This game only features 12 songs from nine different bands, three of which are from Digital Assassins. Digital Assassins. Oh, yeah. But uh, I, my, my, my worst gripe about this soundtrack, which, I mean, I love rock. Rock is my favorite genre of music, so I can't complain. But at the same time, my only complaint was, with there only being 12 songs... The soundtrack did get really repetitive at the very end, with a lot of the time, most races starting on the same song. The randomization factor sucked. Yeah, it did. It like, was kind of degrading in a way, or debilitating um, to the game's core values. <laughs> it got so 
repetitive to where at the very end of my playthrough, I ended up turning the music off. (laughs) (laughs) You want to get forced to memorize Fuel by Metallica from start to finish? Play this game. Ain't that the truth. (laughs) Free Roam is a mode that lets you drive around just for the fun of it. There's no clock, competitive pressure, or a specific course to complete. You can early explore each environment and will help you find shortcuts that can be used while racing a good shortcut can make all the difference in the competition which is a very true statement in this game as you wander examine this landscape carefully because it will help you in your battle for off-road supremacy all three locations are available for either one or two player games and then there was also a stadium mode which is only available in the xbox mode and if i remember correctly there was two different only available on the xbox mode yeah or the Xbox version, which it only has two different categories. Yeah, which you have a power and then you have a speed category. So depending on the vehicle you're driving, you'd be able to play one of those modes and you have to co- sort of unlock. It has a progression system. So play the game just like you have been. And there's a lot to really do in this game. There's really no benefit to playing the stadium race. This is why we didn't really touch it that much. Right. Yeah, I do want to add that I did play Stadium Mode a little bit, and the the physics engine in Stadium Mode uh, is a little bit different. At least the, the terrain. You slide a lot. It's not like the regular racetracks where, you know, you, you turn and you're doing a 90-degree angle. Now, you turn in this, it's, it's kind of like you're on ice. You're, you're sliding a lot. Yeah, that would be uh, kind of hard to play. I can imagine with it's it being a, on a dirt track. Yeah, it's it's kind of like dirt track. You're you're definitely sliding a lot. Steering is delayed quite a bit. So it's like it's like steering is slow motion and your truck just doesn't get grip at all. Wasn't very enjoyable. Yeah. So, yeah, by default, the speed stadium is open from the get-go or as the power one is locked and cannot be unlocked until you've finished I believe the first season of the speed stadium levels. Yeah, that or the first three races, I guess. Yeah. Which the um, the courses look rather interesting, and they're not a repeat of what you've already raced in the game. This is a whole new set of tracks, mm-hmm. just with a, a different set of physics and terrain, I should say, which I I found more frustrating than anything. Is that all we have? I believe so. It looks like we're on to our next segment. Get ready for X Marks the Spot. The comprehensive look at game secrets and Easter eggs. Alright, so for X Marks the Spot, what do you got for us, Soft Mike? Alright, so this game has cheat codes. Woo! And they yes. work. Uh, as well as unlockables. Besides that, there's no Easter eggs or anything that I'm aware of uh, outside of what you have to do in order to unlock things. So we'll we'll just jump right into it. So for the Xbox, the cheats are as follows. If you want to add additional laps to your circuit race for whatever reason you devil dog you, you can enter this name when starting a single race mode when you go to enter your player name type in one laps one or two laps two the number 
will increase the lap count by the number you put into that name, allowing for longer circuit races. The next code is all opponents will drive monster trucks. The password is monstrous, spelled M-O-N-S-T-R-U-S. After that is the climbing higher hills doesn't slow you down. That is spelled D-N-O-M-A-I-D in the password uh, for the name selection. Double starting time in Blitz Race, spelled D-B-L-T-I-M-E. I'm not really sure what double starting time is. That's the point A to point B race. Uh, low gravity. That's really fun. Uh, low gravity <laughs> is L O W G R A V Y. Then we have super fast flips and spins in the air, which is Han Dog, K A H N D A W G. Uh, here's a really useful one. In career mode, you do have a certain number of retries per level, as well as having to some certain extent have to pay for it. So as you earn money in the career mode, if you have to replay a race, it actually costs you money from your bank. Uh, this allows you to just have unlimited retries. Unlimited tries in career mode is spelled F-R-E-E-P-L-A-Y. The last one we have is probably only useful for P the PAL players, is to unlock the Mercedes ML430 using code M-E-R-C-E-D-E-Z. So that will allow you to play with that SUV, which, in my opinion, wasn't really that good. But, hey, if you want it, there it is. So, with that, we're going to get into the unlockables. So, we have six unlockable vehicles that you can actually get in this game. The first one is a Humvee by winning any three seasons in career mode. The second vehicle is by winning the power division. In season 4 in career mode, Dodge T-Rex becomes unlocked. The speed division version of that unlockable is a Shelby Durango, which you can unlock by winning season 4 in speed division. Then we have the Rod Hall Hummer, which is gauded as the ultimate career vehicle by completing career mode. So you have to win both power division and speed division. Then we have... The monster truck. The unlock the monster truck, you it have is. to complete the single race mode by playing all 27 levels in the hardest difficulty in the game. When you complete it, your level gets highlighted in a gold font, letting you know that that level is complete in first place. Once you've done that and it, you have beaten all the levels, you get the monster truck. And it is a very fast truck. We were seeing speeds of up to 142 miles an hour. It's 145. Uh, or it might have been 147, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, it would have to be. <laughs> but yeah, that vehicle uh, is one of the is pretty much the ultimate vehicle in the game. Second to none, though, is the hidden vehicle only available to Xbox players, which is the Moon Buggy. A Moon Buggy is available by finding all three Blue Moon Cafe signs in each area of the game in free roam mode. 
Well, you can actually unlock it in not just free roam mode, but I believe you can unlock it in single player mode too, or a career mode, because I remember I actually hit one of the signs, and uh, it did have a progress bar, which is in the form of moons, that when you hit the sign, it saves to your profile, and then once you've hit all nine signs, you then unlock the moon buggy and the hidden secret level, the moon level, yes. which allows you to... Uh, travel a fun court of free roam moon level just kind of driving around and seeing some of the cool things the devs put into the game uh for the moon like the you actually can see the uh u.s moon landing yeah the apollo 13 moon landing is on full display with the original moon buggy american flag placed and the apollo 13 nasa space shuttle i would say you could call it landed on the spot in the the area is set up exactly as it was set up pretty much on the moon itself when it actually did happen it's kind of neat to see there are some ex unexplained things in the moon world such as a an area where there is a sloped like loading dock with movable boxes that has a very eerie ambient sound coming from that spot specifically but fades away as you drive away from it um, yeah I remember, also... I remember seeing that was like a 2001 space odyssey reference yeah i was thinking that was pretty much what it all it was um there wasn't really much else to it which was kind of disappointing there are a couple of very indistinguishable from the rest of the grayscale map tunnels which don't really do anything for you. I don't even know why they put them in there. There's no course to follow, so they just kind of seem pointless. There are a few satellites floating around in the area as well that that emit a general scientific spacey 60s sound, like Sputnik-esque sound. And then you've got your few craters in the moon's surface that you can traverse across. It's... I don't know, very, very lackluster to me. But it wasn't really much of a letdown based off the fact that it didn't take that much to unlock in the first place. The signs are relatively easy to find that you need to run through to unlock the moon buggy and the moon course. So all in all, I could say it wasn't, in, it wasn't rage-inducing to come across... The fact that there really is nothing to uh, the the moon course. Yeah. One one cool notable thing about the moon course unlocking progress is every time you ran over one of those signs, you would get a, a very loud, like, audience hoorah and cheering, uh -huh. and then you would have one of the nine bubbles lit up across the screen, which actually were moon phases. Each one of the little dots across the screen light up as you collect each one of the signs. And actually, each one of the signs is assigned to one of those dots. So once you unlock all the signs, you've essentially unlocked all the moon phases, which I thought was cool as a little detail, at least. Mm, is that all we have for X marks the spot? I believe so. It looks like we're on to our next segment. Oh my god, he on X Games mode. Are you ready?
Here is the X Games mode. Our personal tales of triumph, adrenaline pumping gameplay, and sweat inducing rampages. games mode finally <laughs> yes yeah this is a this is a fun title it did have uh it's it definitely had its x games moments i will say that for sure uh this this particular title gave me a real good x games mode in multiplayer with actually with you yes yes that was uh probably the most fun we had so uh coincidentally enough this is this is something i didn't know when i was playing the game uh but when you play multiplayer with your friends, you do get to use the vehicles they're using. But in single race mode, if you wanted to unlock the monster truck, well, I did it the illegitimate way where, you know, I played with all the vehicles and I had my rage quit moments where oh, I, yes. I actually called you and was like, I can't do this. This is not going to happen. You know, this, I don't think, <laughs> I, don't think <laughs> I can win the monster truck. And uh, he talked me to, you know, take a break and came out the next day and I beat all the levels like, immediately. Once again, uh, you ended up calling me. And I know, I know your frustration because I, I played through career race uh, by myself yeah, all yeah. the way to the end. And I had faced the exact same struggles. Like I had mentioned, I had to switch trucks multiple times just to figure out which one could actually defeat the AI in the end because they truly do get difficult. So moving forward, when we played in multiplayer, single race, and we uh, were just dominating each of the tracks with because we had the moon buggies, that right. was probably the most fun. It was just, there were intense moments when the AI would just destroy one of us or when something would happen and it would ruin our race, that it critical and we you know get frustrated and have to retry it but i think for the most part things like that didn't always happen so i think it was just a joy and fun of playing with someone with these crazy fast vehicles it was fun even though i would be the second player and i was trying to get him to unlock the truck right. uh i would purposely have to stop and let him win the race if i was ahead or whatever the deal was because we, uh, we did those. figure out triumphant moments where uh <laughs> racing on, a, on one of the harder courses with our moon buggies that you know we would, it would get to the point to where you made some kind of a critical mistake but i was far enough ahead to where even if ai got past you and you weren't able to hold them off that it was definitely a white knuckle race to the finish and uh you know we had that one course that we tried over and over again in Moab. Oh man, I'm trying to think of that, that exact one. Is that checkpoint race? I can't remember which one it was. Um, the very end there, we had to try that one what ten times? Oh, it was a checkpoint race in Moab. Yes. Oh, it was the uh, the long desert one, right? Yeah, because we had uh, it was like, like a torture test. Torture test. Was that the one in the desert? Yeah, it's in Moab. It's the last one in Moab. Oh, okay. So that was one where we were going, yeah, yep. That one is a pain in the butt. Yes. For real. Because uh, you have to go all the way around Moab completely. Yes. And when you when you come around a couple of these curves, if you're head-on with the other racers, when we do converge, it, it, it will end your race right there. That is the, the true fact right there, honestly. 
You've got to be on your A game. Just the, the the sheer amount of time it takes to race that course. I remember the the time that we actually got it. We were failing within one second, and we could see oh, the last yeah. checkpoint. Oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah, because that AI. I and mean, we even knew how to beat the game, how to beat that race too. Like it's amazing how quickly uh, you can kind of just get frustrated with that level. Right. It's, just, um, it's easy to get frustrated because it's like you you spend the entire race with the expectation, like, oh, I've been in first place this entire race. I think I got it. But it, there's no indication that you're going to get it because all the AI mainly take a different route where the one AI that finishes in first place generally takes a different route than the route that we take. So you can't just gauge it off of like a, a mini map that shows you that the cars are actually in fact behind you. You have to just wing it with the hope that you get to the last checkpoint before the other AI does all the way across the map. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that... Uh... That was that was tricky, especially because yeah, cause, yeah it, you almost have to get lucky and hope one of the AI messes up in that. And that's pretty much probably how we won in the end anyway. Was just getting lucky that the AI must have messed up right there at the end. Yeah, we had tried and tried that course so many times, and you know I thought that Hawaii was going to present more of a challenge than it did too. Yeah, we actually didn't do too bad on that. Although that last scramble was a was a tight one. The last scramble on Hawaii, the jungle run. Oh, man. Yeah, where we started from the top. We had to f- go down that hill on yes. the right, make that, so much hit, that cave in the yep. middle of the map, which always messed you up. It did, because every every time you went through that cave, whether it was in a normal race or in the scramble checkpoint race, the, the course was set up just so that you you kind of had to go through that tunnel at full speed. You couldn't just ease into it. You weren't like turning into it or something. You were going full speed into that tunnel. And it was positioned in a way behind Rush that you couldn't see your exact entry point. You kind of just had to wing it. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that sucked about it was the AI was going into that tunnel from the opposite side the exact same time that you were. So if you weren't just off to the side enough you were going to hit head on to the other one and the, and the rest of the AI would pass you by yes it was like you, you have to have pinpoint accuracy in a couple spots to win some of these races and if you don't or at least have some kind of a skill as a some kind of skill as a gamer if you don't have that you're not going to win some of these races uh let's see the uh, lava river from hawaii was a very difficult circuit race to by the way. Well, I don't remember it being that bad. You remember we had the jump over the active volcano and oh, last... yeah. Legitimately it was hard. Yes. on the And on the last lap, you had those giant uh, tiki totem poles rolling down the mountainside by the lighthouse. Yeah. I would say my X Games mode moment would probably be Lava River of Hawaii, then... I would say in Yosemite, the Spiral Mountains. That one was that one was crazy. We actually had to push trucks oh, off man, the mountain <laughs> That one, okay, I'll admit that race did suck. Yes. There was a lot of it was fun though. There was we had a lot of fun doing that. <laughs> yes, especially at the very beginning, where like if we did it just right and ran into 
uh, a couple of the AI at the start to not slow down as much on the curve and try and get ahead of the pack, we would end up actually knocking some trucks off the top of a mountain. And they would be basically falling like five, 600 feet. <laughs> and it was hilarious mm-hmm. watching them fall off the edge. I would, I would actually specifically put my rear view camera on just to watch them fall over. <laughs> and it was, it was a, man, it was a heck of a race too like you really had to be on your a game to get anywhere in that one it was it was anybody's race the entire race that was very true especially in that one point where you had to jump from peak to peak and that was the exact point where the ai crossed in your crossed your path mm-hmm. uh i remember at the end of that the one the the, the race that i actually won i was on two wheels <laughs> on the edge of a cliffside crossing over that section as the truck that I had been battling the entire time ended up crashing or something and basically paved the way for me to win the race. But man, it was, it was crazy. I, I was on the edge of my seat that entire race. Uh, going from there, my last pick for the X Games mode moment providing uh, adrenaline rush would be the torture test of Moab, the last race in single race mode. That one presented one immense challenge as well. You you definitely had to get the course down and definitely get some experience with this exact course to, to learn where you needed to be and when you needed to be there, how you needed to, to, to travel the course, what direction to take, and you know, just kind of gain some idea and experience. You, you definitely had to play this track a few times to get it down enough to have a chance at winning it. Especially on hard mode. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I would say, you know, uh, the the true X Games mode moments for me for each one of the three levels would, would definitely be those. And if anybody who's listening gets a chance to experience those after the fact, it, w- it would probably be the same for them, too, I think. Or that or Burnout was another pretty crazy track. That was the one that had the figure eight. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the one that you drove through the snow biome and the forest fire biome and then drove through the foresty area with the redwoods and had the logs coming down the side of the hill and also had boulders coming down one side. That one was that was a crazy track. Yeah, that one uh, definitely was one I (laughs) hope we get it over with. Yeah. But definitely would recommend using the moon buggy because uh, I, yes. for me specifically in single player, probably my most toughest experience was the Blitz race in that same last reset on Yosemite, I believe, where you had to go down. It was raining. You had to go down this hill, go through the forest, which then went into like a burnt forest area. Mm-hmm. And then that continued to get uh up a hill which then you had like a deep sort of like circle and then you had to go really down it's downhill really fast and then you had to climb up the spiral mountain at the end that one took me probably the longest to beat out of all the levels i think that one about made you quit the game too yeah yeah that's the one i was like dude i don't know how anyone could do this it was literally the first whoever the first place ai driver would always kick my butt but i got lucky when I, I said I did it with the Dodge Ram. That was the one vehicle that I was confident with driving in that uh, in that map. I beat that AI with like the first try the next day after I stopped playing. Uh, and that was 
a very exhilarating moment for me personally was being able to uh finally beat it uh but yeah that was my tough i i remember it was always uh the beginning you had to either surpass in the beginning or you weren't finishing in first place that's what that's what it always came down to but yeah that that to me uh i think that's pretty much all i can say about my uh x game moments yeah yeah i pretty much stated which ones i thought were the most exhilarating and uh definitely wet inducing Mm-hmm. top three and then the runner-up being burnout from uh yosemite so you've got a couple of a to b and a couple of circuit races that definitely will give you a run for your money and provide more than likely a, a great experience if you don't get too frustrated by the end yeah so uh i guess that's it for our x games mode yeah all right time for x rated Let's get X-rated, where we rank the game based on our evaluation of 10 core gaming elements. Alright, my scoring of Test Drive Off-Road Wide Open. I gave graphics a 3, because the more and more I played this game, the more I realized that the graphics are more like Nintendo 64 graphics. They, They really weren't as great as they appeared to be after I got into this game enough to really see the courses and the color palette as well as the modeling of the vehicles it just seemed like an upscaled version of a nintendo 64 game which kind of drew back the experience for me the graphics just really didn't do it difficulty i gave this game a six i felt that the game's difficulty progressed and ramped up as you played at least in career mode pretty decent and, you know, there was a little bit of a, a sharp curve that was a little bit too steep of a sharp curve for me, I think. The AI, I gave this game a 6. I thought that the vehicles were programmed to run the courses pretty well. They did take advantage of most of the shortcuts. Not all of them, but most of them. Single player experience, I gave a 7. It was very enjoyable. I actually had a really good time. The music also helped provide a good experience and didn't get drowned out by the action like normal with the games that we've played so far. The, uh, the music actually provided a, an uplift to the experience instead of a drawback or nothing at all. With the inclusion of the licensed music and actually picking a good track list from the artist that they decided to use for the game soundtrack, I appreciated that very much. The multiplayer scored an 8 with the ability to not only co-op and complete an unlockable with another person and also use the, the vehicles that you've unlocked already, that just made it even more of an experience. Like I had stated, it was more like multiplayer was something that you could use to experience a whole new version of this game, not just like multiplayer was there because it was just there as another accessory, some way to prolong this game's life. It actually had a purpose. So for that, I appreciated it, and I really enjoyed playing it um, with another person to ultimately unlock the monster truck, which was the ultimate vehicle of the game. Design, I gave a 5. The game had a pretty good design to it, but it was it was basically average. It didn't really do much more than you would need to do to basically put a game out there. I don't really have much to say about it. It was very basic, and it did the job. Controls, I gave a 6. Controls were very nice. Um, They weren't fantastic. But as far as a racer goes, I did like the fact that they gave you the ability to use the A button versus the right trigger as a accelerator. 
So you could switch back and forth, which I did experience while playing this game. And it was nice to instead of just have to deal with my finger going numb or aching. Uh, you could also control yourself in the air. You could control your trajectory. You could roll the vehicle or you could tilt it front to back. That was very nice. Shifting controls for manual transmission also worked well. The camera was pretty much useless, except for in far away mode. And just overall, they, they did a good job utilizing the controls. Reverse was exactly as reverse should be. It doubled as the brake when you came to a stop. That's how it should be. So features, I gave a three. They didn't really give you much to do. You had a couple different things. The stadium mode was pointless because it really didn't give you a reason to play it. It was just there. Multiplayer had the co-op, which was nice. And then you had your standard career or single race, which I think just should come along with the game, period. The vehicles were not customizable. You had presets that were unlockable only with progression, which really weren't all that exciting. It was just a reskinned version of the vehicle with slightly better stats. It really didn't do anything for me. As far as the courses go, you got a free mode, yes, but the free mode was also equally pointless as stadium mode. It didn't offer you anything other than the ability to unlock the moon mode, which, once more, was useless. It really didn't give you anything to do. So, the game, you know, it could have done a lot better, but there we go. Replayability. I gave this game a 3. We, <laughs> we, we did speak on this a little bit, and I did end up changing my mind about replayability. And you are 100% right, Soft Mike. Or really, once you're finished playing this game, there's no reason to come back. And it's not because it's a bad game. It's just because once you've played it, you've played it. There's really nothing else to this game that could make it worth coming back to unless you have some nostalgia tied to it. Lastly, soundtrack. I gave this game a 6. It's the highest scoring soundtrack so far based off the fact that the licensed artists, like I've said throughout this review, were pretty decent, including the fact that they included Metallica and Cell Dweller, as well as picked good songs from these artists to use. So there's just a plus and a plus, as well as the fact that the music didn't get drowned out by the action. It actually, if you wanted it to be, could actually overpower everything else, which I thought was great. So putting all that together, this game comes out to a 53 grade C final score. Very interesting. Very interesting. What do you you got for us? You ripped this game apart a little bit. I will say it. But but, uh, yeah, for my scoring, I get graphics a six. I thought the the trucks look pretty decent. And I I really, that's kind of what I was looking at was the probably the best part about this game was the vehicle models looked pretty good especially in the menu where there isn't much to look at besides the vehicle when you're selecting it but you could definitely notice more details the graphics were pretty good especially with the ones we've seen thus far difficulty i I gave this game a six i really thought the game had a pretty good balance overall especially when you first start playing it the AI was definitely a little more forgiving uh, in the beginning, like, but you really had to the, you had to get the right vehicle for the track. You know, you can't always use the same vehicle. AI, uh, I gave this game a five. Uh, I thought the, I thought the AI was generally average for for a racing title, uh, especially with the fact they didn't have rubber banding, which is a good thing. I think it's probably one of the best AIs we've seen in a game overall. This game was definitely a lot more fair with the AI. You could actually beat the AI in a lot of occasions 
Single player. I gave this game a six. I enjoyed this this title's uh, single player experience. It wasn't a lot of fun by any means, but it was more than I expected, and that's what I was really going for. Mm-hmm. I don't try to go in expecting the soundtrack. Well, as we'll get into, is one of the things that one of the first things you hear, and uh, you know, when you start hearing a good soundtrack, you're kind of diving yourself into a good experience game for the most part. But it really sets the stage. It does. And that's kind of that's kind of how it rolls for me. Multiplayer. This game got a seven. Mm. I thought multiplayer because of the ability to be able to play any single player mission with a buddy and be able to unlock things is a great feature and something that I think other developers should include. Design. I thought this game did good at seven. I thought the game's design was actually really well laid out, considering it did have three giant levels. Not giant, giant, but for a game of this caliber that you could free roam, and pretty much everything was drivable. You could drive anywhere you wanted. Controls. I give this game... This this is actually, for me, the number one category. It gave it an eight, because I thought control was really well played. It was... uh, You had dual acceleration whether it was a trigger or the A button, and if same thing for the reverse button, if you had the trigger or I think it was the uh, B button, and I think having the ability to switch it to any, either time because, say, you get tired or whatever was a great feature because that meant you could play the game longer, therefore get farther. Yes. So, uh, and then just the rest of the controls were just generally in the location they should be. Uh, yes. You had your white and your black button. I believe those did the ear change, if I'm correct. And then the B button. No, the B button was the map button. Y button looked behind you. Right. Y button looked behind you. X was the E break, I think. Yep. Very handy. Very handy. That's what exactly. That's what got you around hairpin turns. That's yes. really what did. Without having to slow down the E break, if you could trigger that just right, you had it. Oh yeah. But, Other thing I'd mention in the controls real quick is the uh, the ability to move your vehicle in midair. Having that ability, especially with the more modified vehicles, you could really move your vehicle to whatever position you needed to make a flat landing, and that was key to winning a race. Uh, features I gave this game a six. Whoa. Yeah, I thought this game actually gave you quite a lot to do. So I'm looking at it from the perspective of what is a person getting in this game able to do, and you really have a lot you have single race career mode a stadium road a free roam mode that's a lot that's all the core gameplay and then you have multiplayer which you can do in stadium race free i believe you can do it in free roam i'm not really sure but i know you can do it in single race i know in career mode i don't think it's possible but multiplayer was the exceptional feature as well being able to unlock things even better so i I really thought this game threw a lot at you for what it was but it wasn't like feature-packed, as you'd put it. Uh, replayability. I gave this game a four. I thought the game didn't have the kind of content that would make you come back to it, especially after you've beaten it. Uh, soundtrack. This game also got a six. This game, bingo, bango. It's, this is our best soundtrack we've heard thus far. Putting in licensed music is a huge pro bono movement. Enjoyable, which is pretty much... The one thing is most of the other tracks that I played besides Fuel by Metallica, I didn't really uh, take in very well. The one song I know out of all the songs personally, I've never heard of any other other groups or anything like that. So for 
this kind of game, you know, at least having fuel, it's in a way you could say the same thing for Sweet Home Alabama from NASCAR Thunder 2002. It was sort of just, here's one song that everyone knows, but they play it on loop repeatedly. Uh, That's where this game kind of benefits is that it does throw you some different music, but it wasn't bad. It actually complemented your racing experience. Uh, This ends up tallying all the way up to a total of 61, giving it a low B for me. Wow. Yeah. This is probably one of my highest scoring games we've reviewed thus far. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. All right. Going off of that surprise, I will be placing Test Drive Off-Road Wide Open in my master list in position number nine. Right below Shrek and above Cell Damage. Wow. We're ranked that pretty low, actually. Surprising. Yeah. My justification, which I'll just say it now, is even though it's a 53 that I put in between 40s and 30s, this isn't a bad game. But it's just not one that you would want to play again. And I base this list mostly off of not only was the game good, but also would I ever want to play this game again? And the answer is probably not. So, in position 9, where cell damage is in position 8, making it more likely that I will pick up cell damage again, possibly to play multiplayer with friends, and then, once again, where I wouldn't play it again would be where Shrek is in position 10, followed by NASCAR Thunder, and so on. Alright, not bad. Uh, I put it at number 2. Whoa! Yeah! I knocked it down. Odd World, Munch's Odyssey, and decided to throw a test drive off-road wide open up there. Right below no. NASCAR Heat. No and, way. uh, yeah, and that, you know, the only reason why I did that was because this game offered to me an actual enjoyable experience. Even though the game isn't a highly replayable game, well, I will say what does succeed in it is that for someone who hasn't completed the game, or someone who hasn't, like, say, when we did the Monster Truck, that was really fun, actually. Just one aspect of the game. Just to be uh, the ability to play with a friend and help them unlock something they wanted to unlock. That was a real fun time, honestly. And that, to me, that was what kind of really boasted the game for me to want to say that's a, it was a good play. Yeah. You know, when we broke the game with cheat codes using all AI as monster trucks, low gravity, faster flips and tricks all at the same time, it was an extremely fun experience. And honestly, I think. The time that we spent in race with the AI, with it just totally broken and the AI confused and not able to get around part of the course, when we were laughing at that, that's probably one of the hardest I've ever laughed in my life. Very fun. Very fun. But it's not like you can relive that experience over and over and over again to the same effect. True. I would definitely say that. The same goes for this game. Even though a lot of things about it were better than 4x4 Evo 2, there were things that were worse. I appreciated the amount of work that went into 4x4 Evo 2. The gameplay wasn't as fun or enjoyable, but there was just so much more effort and work and polish and seemingly like love layered into that game's development. Whereas this game just seemed like... It wasn't like, you know, rushed or just bad or anything like that. It was just kind of just thrown out there. Very, very surprised with your final ranking of this game and scoring. That was a that was a big surprise. I, I kind of 
think that the way you were taken back with my scoring, you were also surprised that my score was so low. But as always, our scores are final and are 100% non-bias. Yeah. An exciting announcement following this game's review. We have our first ever community chosen game, and that will be Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2X. Yes. Which is another installment in the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater series. I'm excited to play this one because I don't remember hearing anything bad about this one. So I'm looking forward to this game, and I appreciate everybody who voted to choose this game as the next one in our launch title series. So stay tuned, and we appreciate those that started with us early, and hopefully we gain more and all grow together and have some more amazing adventures that uh, really, so far, with just 10 episodes down, I've got some experiences that I would never take back and always cherish at this point. So we appreciate everybody. Very happy to have gone 10 episodes so far. As always, if you have any experiences with this game or have any insight, please let us know. Follow us on our social media or comment and uh, let us know what you think. If uh, we rated this game accurately, anything that uh, you just might have to say, we'd love to hear from you. We thank you for listening. We appreciate your ears. And until next time, I'm Excalibur. And I'm your co-host, Soft Mike. And we will see you in the next one. Hello, loyal listeners. Excalibur here. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a supporter by going to our Patreon and pledging a couple bucks. Not only does this grant you exclusive access to early episodes and other content only available to supporters, but you also get to know you're making a difference by helping keep the lights on so that we can keep providing excellent content for you. Also consider joining the OG Xbox modding community on Facebook where you can find anything you may need or want from the most trustworthy and quality-forward bunch of innovators keeping this amazing console alive to today. You can also become a part of the action by submitting a game for us to review via 5-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may listen. Also consider liking and sharing our social media. You can find us on Twitter via our Twitter handle, ThinkBoxPodcast, or on Facebook at Thinking Inside the Box. You can also write into us via email at ThinkingInsideTheBoxPodcast at Outlook.com. Until the next time, thank you for listening, thank you for your patronage, and we will see you in the next one.